Do you ever feel like your current diet isn't really making your IBS go away? Or worse, perhaps it's making your symptoms worse? If so, it's not all in your head. While the vegetarian and vegan diet may be healthy and good for some people, it can also make your bloating, gas, and IBS worse. Yes, worse. On today's episode, learn four reasons why the vegan and vegetarian diet is making your IBS worse, and most importantly, what you can do about it. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. So even if you are not on the vegetarian or vegan diet, if you aim to have in your diet lots of fruits and veggies, nuts, healthy things, maybe things other than meat, you're going to want to listen up for this episode because it's going to apply to anybody who is taking in a large or majority quantity of fruits, veggies, and nuts in their diet. And I'm just going to jump right in. So four reasons your vegetarian or vegan diet is making your IBS worse. Number one, oxalates. Have you ever heard of oxalates before? If you have not, now is the time. Fruits and veggies are high in a substance called oxalates, and oxalates are not inherently bad. But what is bad when it comes to oxalates is when your body can't digest them correctly or quickly enough. So what are ops- what are oxalates? Oxalates is a substance that is found in plants that acts as the skeleton of the plants and as a deterrent from other critters such as bugs from eating the plant. And for a bug, which is much smaller than a human, eating a plant that's high in oxalate is going to be a little bit like eating a mouthful of glass. Nom, nom, nom. Not very fun. It's very sharp. In a human body, we're big enough and our digestive systems are robust enough that we have adapted that we can eat oxalates. Typically, typically we can eat oxalates without having a problem. Except if you're having gut health problems and digestive health problems and showing up as bloating and gas and diagnoses like IBS, 
you actually might be having on top of or as, as a part of your creation of your symptoms an oxalate digestion problem. When you can't digest oxalates then, they spill over from your gut into your bloodstream as you absorb them and it gets into your muscles, your joints, your brain, your skin, everywhere. And remember, these oxalates, they're sharp and so they can cause stiff and painful joints and muscles. They can cause neurology, neurological symptoms, brain fog, headaches, migraines, anxiety, depression, anything, you know, mood related. They can also create things like fatigue because they're impacting your digestive system. They're they're also known as something called an anti-nutrient, which is a substance that actually will bind with nutrients that you eat and then make them non-absorbable for you. So they kind of steal nutrients for you. Oxalates, when you're not digesting them well, will steal nutrients from you like calcium, no bueno. Uh, we can have You can have insomnia, frequent urination, and urinary pain because they're sharp, and our bladders are very sensitive organs. And so if you have a high level of oxalates that you are has, has been accumulating in your body and then you're peeing out, it can cause a lot of bladder irritation, which can also show up as interstitial cystitis. Have you ever been diagnosed with interstitial cystitis? It is in chronic inflammation of the bladder, often for no known reason reason, at least by conventional medicine, though there's plenty of reasons that I see it with my clients. Uh, Kidney stones, oxalates, when they are abundant, can also bind with calcium and make nice little sharp uh, mineral deposits in your kidneys that will result in kidney stones. Have you had one or multiple kidney stones? That can be a sign of oxalates. Yeast overgrowth, especially when you see recurring UTIs. And when I'm talking about UTI frequency, if you have one UTI a year or more, then that is considered frequent UTIs. Or if you get vaginal yeast overgrowth, I had a client who came to me and she, every single time she had her cycle, she would get a yeast overgrowth right afterwards. And she had a connection between oxalates and bloating and all of her gut health symptoms. And then if you get rashes, hives, or eczema, right? You can have problems where your skin is trying to detox these oxalates and it's ending up in your skin as you're sweating it out. And that's very irritating. And you can also get all these symptoms, um, rashes, hives, and eczema from oxalates. So if you're having an oxalate problem and you're eating, but you think you're having a gas and bloating problem, you think you need to change your diet and maybe eat healthier, not eat meats. You stop eating meats or you eat a lot fewer meats and you're eating more of a vegan or vegetarian diet, you're suddenly most likely taking it a lot more oxalates, which again is fine unless you're having problems digesting it. Some examples of high oxalate foods, if you're thinking about, well, what what in my diet might be setting this off? Almost all nuts are high oxalates, except for flax seeds, coconut, and pumpkin seeds. Beets are high in oxalates. Kale and spinach are high in oxalates. Sweet potatoes, celery, green beans, quinoa, and most beans and grains in general are going to be high in oxalates, except for rice, millet, red lentils, black-eyed peas, and yellow split peas. So, so if you are eating oxalates, you are increasing your oxalate load. If you are not dealing with your oxalates well, which is honestly a whole other podcast episode, like how do you de- detox oxalates? How do you digest them? Uh, what, are, what are all the other causes of oxalates that can be going on in the body other than diet? 
oxalates are a phenomenal deep discussion. But if you're eating a vegetarian and vegan diet and your bloating and gas is worse, bloating and gas can often be caused by poor oxalate digestion. So that's number one. Eating more fruits and veggies on your vegan and vegetarian diet can be making your oxalates higher. All right, number two, second reason why a vegan and vegetarian diet can be causing more IBS symptoms for you is fiber. And as soon as you hear this, you might be thinking, but wait, Allison, isn't fiber the solution to problems like gas, bloating, constipation? Yes and no. Fiber is often toted as the solution to all these gut health problems. Just eat more fiber, take a fiber pill, eat more fiber, drink more fiber, etc. But again, similar to the oxalates, though it's a stemming from a different problem, if you're not digesting well, and we're thinking enough stomach acid, enough bile, and enough pancreatic enzymes, you're actually not breaking down your fiber well enough so that by the time it hits your microbiome and your small and large intestine, that your bacteria, it's actually in a form that your bacteria, at least your good bacteria, can eat and use productively. So if your bacteria is out of whack, if your if you're low stomach acid, if you have low bile or low pancreatic enzymes and it's hitting that microbiome, you actually can get an overproduction of bad bacteria or an overgrowth even of good bacteria, which is going to actually increase the amount of gas and bloating that you're experiencing. So your your little microbiome, it's overeating on food. Think about food that you've just left in the trash too long and it gets smelly, you get really bad gas, like that's that's actually coming out of you. And that's because of this really dense food like fiber not being broken down and then getting really smelly and getting bloated and not coming out of you very well. We also see with clients who are having fiber problems, if you're like, is this possibly me? Look at your poop. And maybe you already know this. Are you actually seeing, can you see, for example, tomato skins in your poop? Can you see lettuce fibers? Can you see bean fibers, corn fibers? There's a certain amount where it's maybe a little normal to see some food in your stool that's very, very tough. But for the most part, if you have appropriate levels of digestion, you're going to see very, very little or very irregularly. And I'm talking a couple times a year, not even once a week. So number two is fiber. Fiber in your fruits and veggies could actually be making your gas and bloating worse because of poor digestion problems going on and microbiome imbalance that it's both causing and then and and then also exacerbating if you already have a problem in your microbiome. Number three, a big reason that being vegan and vegetarian could be causing problems with your IBS is it's actually just covering up deeper problems in your gut. What do I mean by that? So you have may have noticed, well, I don't actually feel good when I eat meat. That might be a real reality you're dealing with. And so you have decided to go vegetarian or vegan. Maybe you feel a little bit better not eating meat, but you also don't necessarily feel good. And this is a, a state that many of my clients come to me in where they've done lots of different diet changes. They've done the low oxalate diet, low FODMAP diet, vegan, vegetarian, all sorts of different things. And it the diet will make them feel a little bit better, but not fully better or sometimes a little bit better for a short period of time. And then they somehow end up feeling worse again and they don't know why. This is because diet change can be more of a cover-up rather than a solution to the cause of what's going on. So meat, 
talk similar to fiber is difficult to digest. And so if you remove something from your diet that is very nutrient dense and therefore difficult, aka needing lots of stomach acid, lots of bile and pancreatic enzymes to digest, you in the short term make it easier for your body to digest food on a day-to-day basis. That's also one of the reasons why you might notice, for example, a smoothie or some type of liquid meal might be a little bit easier on you short term because it could potentially be doing some of the digestive work your body's currently not doing. Or perhaps you have weak motility and weak peristalsis, which just means you're not moving your food through your body fast enough and these kind of denser, thicker pieces of nutrients, aka meat, are getting are slowing up the process. So you get rid of the meat, but it doesn't actually solve the problem. And so it can temporarily improve as you get rid of a stressor on your digestive system, but the but the but the truth and the reality is, is that you still aren't digesting well. And that will eventually cause problems for you when we get to number one and number two. You're now, since you're not eating meat, intaking a lot more fiber and a lot more oxalates. And that could be causing problems as well. And number four, so that was number three, covering up poor digestion. That might be what the vegan and vegetarian diet is doing for you. It's not dealing with your actual root cause of your problem. And number four is amino acid deficiency. And I know this, people get into a big hullabaloo about you actually aren't going to become fully amino acid deficient if you eat vegetarian and vegan. And there's a lot of different nuances going on with this. But if you are actually not feeling well, you likely need a lot of protein in your diet, more protein than a typical vegan and vegetarian diet is going to give you. You need that protein to come and rebuild your body. If you don't have enough amino acids from protein sources, whether it's, whether it's, uh, plant-based or meat-based, you're going to have poor detoxification because your liver, which is your main detoxifying organ, in its second phase of detoxification, which is non-negotiable, it's not like, oh, I got phase one, so I don't really need phase two. You need phase two. In the second phase, it relies on amino acids to neutralize and bind toxins in your body so that you can get rid of them and not reabsorb them and just retoxify yourself right? So we need amino acids to detoxify. You need amino acids for neurotransmitter creations. So if you are dealing with anxiety and depression and mood instability, that can all be linked to nutrient or neurotransmitter deficiencies, which you need amino acids to make neurotransmitters. You can be having dealing with problems like weak muscles and the inability to build muscle despite working out. And then you can have poor peristalsis of the gut because you're, you're, gut is made of muscle, right? And so you have smooth muscle that's, that's just, that contracts and moves food down your, from your throat all the way down to your butt and you poop it out. And that's all automatic movement of smooth muscle tissue. And if you don't have enough amino acids to build healthy, smooth muscle, you could be having problems even in your digestion, let alone feeling physically weak. So that is amino acid deficiency. And there's a lot going, there's a lot of nuances going to that. Some people are going to do great on vegan and vegetarian diet as long as all of their enzymatic reactions are working well so that they can 
properly break down or create amino acids that they get exposed to in a vegan and vegetarian diet. Taurine, for example, is an amino acid that our body will make if it can, but if your liver's congested or or not functioning optimally or you're not good at making taurine in your body because of your gene expression, things like this, right? Then you need extra taurine in your diet and meat's a great place to get it or gelatin, bone broth, these things, which you're not going to be eating if you are vegan for sure. Vegetarian, there's a little bit of a mix up there because you might eat eggs, for example, which are going to have some of these nutrients. So this is four reasons you might not be feeling good eating a largely fruit and veggie nut type diet, right? Even if you're gluten-free, even if you're grain-free, these, even if you're dairy-free, right? To get rid of those sources of inflammation, you could still be having problems. Now, you have digestive problems. You have that gas. You have that bloating. You've been diagnosed with IBS. And maybe fruits and veggies are causing problems for you. What do you do? Number one, this is not about just making a diet change because maybe you went on the vegan and vegetarian diet for a reason, right? You're not eating fat very or breaking down fat or protein very well from meat sources. So just throwing that back in doesn't solve the problem, right? What you want to do is just one of two things. Step one, figure out the nature of your digestive problems. And what do I mean by this? I mean test. You want to test, do you do you have high oxalates? That's something you can do with something called an organic acids test. It's a urine-based test. They do not typically do this in conventional hospitals or conventional um, conventional care for healthcare. You want to look at, are, what's your microbiome like? Is it overpopulated in good bacteria, underpopulated in good bacteria, overpopulated in bad bacteria? You can check that out with a stool test called a GI map test. And again, if you're doing this conventional testing through hospitals, their testing is very different. It's not as sensitive based off of markers that their research has shown, which is just, it's not sensitive enough to pe- for people who actually don't feel good and yet aren't necessarily in a disease state. So if you have IBS, you kind of fall into this category where the hospital system doesn't know what to do with you. It's because their testing isn't sensitive enough. If you are having problems with bile production, pancreatic enzymes, the GI map will also show you this. And if you're ever having problems with low stomach acid, doing a baking soda test and checking out your alkaline phosphatase in your blood work will also give you an idea. Is this possibly low? So these are four different things you can test for using three different tests so you can find out the nature of your digestive problems and not just throw a diet onto you that sort of works, doesn't really work, it's work or might be making the whole situation worse. So number number one, after you found the nature of your digestive problems, perhaps you have mold and candida, which let me tell you, they actually create oxalates. You could be on a low oxalate diet, which is a whole other topic and it's not what I'm recommending um, you to just jump into, but you could be on the low oxalate diet and still have an oxalate overload if the, you have mold or systemic candida in your body. And the only way you can know that is with testing. And then you want to get rid of it. So that has to get to number two. After number one test, number two, heal those problems. That's it. 
You want to remove sources of excess oxalate production, like that mold and candida. You want to increase your body's capacity to break down oxalates. You want to increase stomach acid, bile production, and pancreatic enzymes. You want to balance your microbiome, which let me tell you, you cannot do with probiotics alone. You want to see episode three of the Better Belly podcast if you want to know why. That's episode three, why probiotics aren't healing your gut, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And then you also want to increase your motility and peristalsis. And there's a variety of ways to do this because there's a variety of reasons that motility, which is that natural movement of the gut, moving food along down your digestive tract so it goes through your body at a good healthy pace, not too fast and not too slow. If you want to make sure your motility is fast enough because when it's too slow, it'll again be chomped on for too long by your microbiome and you'll get a lot of over overeating and basically you're fermenting that food in your gut. That also might lead you to try the low FODMAP diet, which is another reason why the low FODMAP diet is not a solution. It's not solving the problem. It's just a band-aid of temporarily trying to alleviate symptoms. Um, like fermentation of food in your gut. So number one, figure out the nature of your digestive problems. Don't just slap a diet on it. And number two, you want to heal those problems specifically. And then what happens after you do that is you no longer have to be kind of tiptoeing on all these different diets around when can you eat and how much can you eat and what can you eat. Your body actually works again. So that's it. No need to go on a long-term diet change. This is not about a new and better diet. I want to just say there's no perfect diet. There's no perfect food sensitivity test, but there is finding the root cause or causes of your symptoms. And this is what I created the foundations program for. If you've changed your diet a million and one times, if you've tried different supplements, if you've done all the things that should work or you've been told to do on blogs and by doctors, and you have not gotten long-lasting permanent results, then you have invisible toxins that are keeping your body from working the way it needs to. I'm going to invite you to sign up for the Foundations Program waitlist. The Foundations Program is a six-month program of working one-to-one with me where we find the hidden causes of your IBS through functional lab testing. We look for things like oxalates, mold and candida, insufficient digestion, nutrient deficiency. If you want to know if you're dealing with these things, then test. Don't guess. The only way to know what's going on in your body is to do high quality beyond conventional hospital testing to see what's going on in your body and make relevant, not guessing, changes. Get to the root cause of what's going on in your body and finally get free from your most stubborn symptoms. If you are ready to be free of your bloating, gas, IBS, and more, sign up for the Foundations Program waitlist. Go to betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist. Again, that's betterbellytherapies.com dot com slash waitlist or click the link in the show notes and I would love to work with you there. All right, guys. Well, I hope that gave you insight into why your vegan or vegetarian diet might be working against you. If you are new to the Better Belly podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this episode, I want to encourage you to take a screenshot and text it to that friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. 
So send that friend you thought of a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners there and it means so much if you stop by and said hi. And I just want to give a big shout out to Jen Bree who left us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. She says, Allison's podcast is so refreshing. She is incredibly knowledgeable and there is so much to be gained from listening to her. This is the first time amidst my struggle with GI issues that I actually really felt hopeful and equipped to get well. Thanks, Allison, for sharing your expertise in such a fun, lighthearted, and enjoyable manner. This lit me up, guys. And if you have been listening to the podcast and it has impacted you, I want to invite you too to leave a rating and review. Your ratings and reviews helps other people just like you to find this podcast and find hope and healing in a fun, lighthearted, and enjoyable manner. And if you are local to Metro Detroit or Ann Arbor region, I want to invite you. I have a local office. I would love to see you in my office. You can book a new client evaluation at betterbellytherapies.com slash booking. Or again, if you want to sign up for the Foundations Program waitlist, which is available for all clients in the U.S. and Canada, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist and get on the waitlist where it's the only place I share when I am seeing new clients. Again, that is betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist. Well, I loved hanging out with you guys today, and I'm going to leave us out with our motto. Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. You got this girl. You are going to heal. I believe in you.